What is happening? Good people. Welcome to another Sports Cards Anonymous podcast, episode three. Uh, in today's agenda, we're going to look at a little bit of news. We're going to be looking at uh, an article talking about people are taking out loans for NFTs and they're defaulting. Surprise. Uh, we'll do pig or hog. We'll do a little bit of goat talk, cash cow. We're going to look at some of that stuff. Uh, and then we have a great interview uh, with Loco Card Collector. He does have a YouTube channel. Uh, link in the description. Great discussion. It's about an hour, I think, me and him go. And uh, once that ends, I'll probably end the podcast there. So that's what's on the agenda for today. Man, I hope you all are doing well. I just want to say thank you all so much for the support, positivity, and um, engagement. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's pretty special to get to do this. And, you know, I don't make a lot of money doing all this stuff. I make very little, actually, but it's still just fun to do it. You know, I've made so many friends over the last nine, ten months now. And, um, you know, continue to make more friends. So I just want to say thank you. And my, oh my, I'm filming this, or recording this right as the Bills-Titans game ended. Holy smokes. How good are football players today? I mean, it is insane. I think I said this about baseball players like two weeks back. It, it's amazing how good like the average baseball player is. I mean, they're they're light years ahead of the average baseball player from two decades ago. Think about what we just. I mean, if you didn't see the, I mean, it was a two minute drive, whatever. But like, you know, now you you get the ball with two minutes left, and the question is, is not how do I score. The question is how do I score and run out the clock. It's so crazy. I mean, really, it's crazy. Think about it. 20, 20 years ago, if if you were in a, a two-minute drill and you had one complete pass in the middle of the field, which didn't stop the clock, you, you were ruined. You, you know, you, you lost that two-minute drill. It's wild. 1950s, you know, two-minute drill doesn't exist. Johnny Unitas creates it. Then over time, you see it more. You know, John Elway does it. And then Brady, of course, takes it to this new level. And now just every quarterback and every offense can just do a two-minute drill. Now, obviously, you know, the Bills fell short, but, you know, I mean, they, they missed a quarterback sneak. at the, They could have tied it, you know. I mean, they it was a successful two-minute drill. They just made a bad decision. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't like that play call. But anyway, they made a bad decision down at the red zone. I, I'm not going to question their play calling, whatever, you know. Looks like Josh Allen slipped, <clears throat> but man, those—it's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing how good the Bills are. What a good team that is. I mean, they pretty much got to do what they wanted all night, and they did a pretty good job of containing Henry outside of that, you know, seventy-six yard run or whatever it was. Um, I mean, look, there's only so much containing of Henry you're going to be able to do. And then the Titans, you know, people kind of had them dead to rights after the uh, a rough start to the season. But they're coming on strong and, and looking like the team that people thought they were. Um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, that dude's clearly a good quarterback. Derrick Henry's clearly, clearly not even close. He's the best running back in football. Uh, in that front seven for Tennessee on defense, you know, they do a good job of bringing some pressure. So good on them for that. They, they had a good uh, game plan for the Bills and for Josh Allen. And, um, you know, yeah, I mean, just there's only so much you're going to do against them, and, and they did just enough. So hats off to them. 
weird with Julio Jones. What is going on with Julio Jones? It's so strange to me. He's not playing, you know, barely, you know, getting any targets. I don't know. But it was nice to see A.J. Brown get some love tonight. I mean, he he had really a good game. So you enjoy you enjoy seeing that kind of stuff. So there's an article. Let's get into the news. There's not that much news in sports cards uh, this week, at least not, you know, that, that I captured. Um, but there's this article over on, is this on Vice? It's on Vice. And it's, it's, um, it says people are taking out loans against their NFTs and defaulting. This was written on October 15th by Edward on, on Gueso, on Gueso. I'm not sure, but, um, you know, they just talk about like how everybody is just trying to build NFTs. You know, it's a really rough outlook of NFTs. And I guess, let me just say a few things. I mean, we got to look at the investing markets and where everything's at right now you know people are looking to i guess alternative investments to stock markets and bonds and and those types of things and i think that's what makes nfts so popular i don't really know know, to be very clear i'm not someone who who partakes in nfts right Uh, i don't see the appeal that does not mean that i think less of them i don't you know whatever you know people like what they like it's fine you know i don't really see nfts as really two different than cards. I do think cards have a little bit, you know, the physical thing matters, but you know, if people like the idea of having somehow a limited digital asset, then that's cool. Right on, you know, knock yourself out. But, you know, basically people are going around here and just throwing around a ton of money and going into debt for it and then defaulting on that debt. This one, this story I thought was pretty interesting. It says the the block recently reported on a trader who borrowed 3.5 Ethereum, which they, they estimate to be around 12 grand, offering an NFT that had last sold for 3.25 Ethereum. So this NFT, based on recent comps, was worth 3.25 Ethereum, and a lender borrowed, you know, lended 3.5 Ethereum to this borrower. Over the next three months, the value of NFTs from the same collection skyrocketed to around 300000 on the low end. On October 10th, the loan period ended, the borrower fa- failed to repay the loan, and the NFT, now worth many times more than the original loan, was taken. So essentially, you know, they did do this guy solid, gave him a solid loan, 3.5 Ethereum, for an NFT at that time that was valued at 3.25 Ethereum, you know, $12,000 or so. And over the next uh, three months or whatever, the borrower defaults on the loan, and the the <laughs> the NFTs worth three hundred thousand dollars. You know, so the the lender there makes two hundred eighty-eight thousand dollars or whatever. And you know, we saw it with Investacard and I, Fanatics. Kind of, I don't want to say scares me, but you know, they did say they want to finance the hobby. So to me, you know, that stuff is sneaking into sports cards. And you are an adult, or you will be at some point. And as an adult, you can do whatever the heck you want. Um, you know, but if, I don't know, man, I can't give financial advice. I'm just saying, like, I don't think taking loans like this is very wise. Um, if I could give any recommendation, it would be go learn about budgeting and about wealth management and wealth building. You know, go listen to some Dave Ramsey stuff for budgeting. Listen to some Warren Buffett stuff about wealth building. You're not going to hear 
any talk about taking out loans, right? We want to deal in cash. We want to de uh, deal in, in assets that we own, not assets that we owe on, right? I mean, that's, if you, if you want to build wealth, you know, you can't just keep taking out credit and doing whatever you want. And again, I'm not a financial advisor, and uh, I'm sure the government would say I'm not qualified to talk on these things, so I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm giving advice. I'm not. Um, but just what's worked for me in my life, studying how to build a good, you know, how to be good with your budget, and then studying how to be good with your money that you're investing in. You know, I've been pretty anti the whole cards are an investment because all my foundational knowledge about investing is from Warren Buffett. And all of that is built on the assumption that over time, the United States stock market will go up. And I don't bring that assumption to sports cards. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. You know, and I'm chat, go ahead, skewer me, go crazy. Tell me, ah, oh, th these cards have done nothing but go up. Look at all this numbers and data and such, guys. Come on. We're in a Nexus event, right? We're in this one-off event. We've never seen anything like it before. And, um, you know, you're buying at literal all-time highs right now. Regardless of what card you're buying, you're buying at literal all-time highs. And so to just pretend like it's just going to keep going up, eh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think, I do think, you know, at the end of this all, we're going we're gonna to look back and say the hobby grew a lot between 2017 and 20 whatever, 22. There was a lot of real growth that was recognized. However, <laughs> I would also venture to say or guess that we're going to say a lot of people left the hobby from 2019 to 2022. Right, so I think the hobby is going to be bigger in 2022 than it was in 2017, but I think it potentially could be smaller than it was in 2019, 2020. <sighs> However, I mean, we keep seeing all this institutional money's coming into the hobby. Well, how's that going to affect things? You know, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I still think that vintage football, big big vintage football cards, I still think that's really a play. I think there's a lot of undervalued NFL stuff out there. Um, but who am I to say what's undervalued, right? I just like football more. Uh, but when I look at ratings and things like that, I mean, it's pretty clear football is the most popular sport in the U.S., and the U.S. In, you know heavily drives the sports card market. So, to me, I don't know. I think football's a little bit undervalued. I think there's just these tropes that no one likes football, so and so. But I don't know, man. All my all of my friends I know watch football, love football. Um, yeah, but to be fair, I'm in Texas, so it might be a little bit of a skewed perspective, right? So, uh, anyway, loans, NFTs, sports cards—they don't. They don't match. They don't mix, my guys. Don't don't sell your Kobe Bryant on a loan for ten grand, hoping to flip that ten grand and buy back your Kobe and make more money. Just sell your Kobe Bryant. Don't loan it out. Just sell it. You know, if you if you're willing to loan it, you should be willing to sell it. Move off of it. That would be how I think. But uh, you are an independent individual. Think how you want. All right, now. Time for now. Time for pig or hog. All right, and this week we're gonna look at Randy Moss. Now there was one card in particular that caught my eye on Card Ladder. Um, his 1998 Tops Finest uh, with coating. 
in a PSA 10 was sold for $147 on September 23rd. And then on October 9th, right? So two weeks later, it sold for 300 bucks. So for over double, right? Sold for 147 to 300. And this is a card that traded over the previous month at an average price of $194, but you've got one, two, three, four, five, five sales at 200 and under. Then you've got one sale at the beginning for 250, and then this most recent sale at 300. And it was an auction. The 300 was an auction. Uh, so huge increase in in that particular card for that Randy Moss. And it just got me looking around at some Randy Moss cards. And then I was looking at his Topps Chrome. Right, stick with me here. His Topps Chrome, 98 Topps Chrome rookie, of course. And a PSA 10. There's a pop report of a, roughly 1800 and it sells for $473. This is his base Chrome, by the way. His PSA 9 has a pop report of 3800 roughly. So roughly... There's two PSA 9s for every PSA 10. A little bit more than two, but roughly two. And that PSA 9 tops Chrome 98 rookie is selling for $94. So, again, you know, kind of roughly here, one-fifth the price of the PSA 10. And to me, I'm like, well, that seems pretty good, you <laughs> know. 98 tops chrome is it's early chrome still you're gonna have peyton manning randy moss charles woodson in that class and maybe a lot of guys don't care about woodson particularly but moss and uh peyton manning you know that's i think there's a lot of hype there i think there's a lot of value there guys i just i'm watching this stuff i want to move into some more of this stuff the reason i haven't really bought too many of these cards in particular is because i actually bought a lot of these like 15 years ago right so I have basically like, you know, I can't say all because there was a lot of cards then. But, I ha you know, I have a lot of the big staple, Randy Moss and Peyton Manning cards, rookie cards. Um, but looking at this price, I'm like, you know, I maybe pick up a couple seems okay. You know, but pop 3800 I don't know. I, that's not low, but, I mean, 3800 I, I don't know. I feel like that could be up to a $200 card. Um, and then, so, just my take, I mean, I think it's probably obvious now, but... I would say that Randy Moss is a pig. I think that, um, you know, there's there's value in his cards. And, um, yeah, I don't know. They just seem cheap to me. I want to look at one more card here. I'm stumbling here. I'm looking to pick it up. This card, we'll do, I'll give you a twofer here. We'll do another pigger hog here. This is a 2016 base prism Tom Brady PSA 10. So, 87th year in the league for Tom Brady. Fifth year for Panini Prism. And it only has a pop of 99. It's extremely low. You know, this is base Prism. Not even a silver, just base Prism. Now, you look at the 9, there's only a pop of 70 on the 9. So, to me, it just says that there's a, a lot of these have not been graded because they're not a particularly popular card for grade. Over the last month, the last month, this card has gone up 109%. Over the last month, there's been three sales. On 919, this card sold for $86. On 1010, this card sold for $127, trending upwards. And then on 1014, this card sold for $180. And that was the best offer, so it was just somewhere underneath there. But still, at the very least, we know it went from 86 to 127, so up 50%. And 
to me, this is an odd one. This is one that's hard for me to explain. I mean, look, people are going to say, it's Brady. Brady's a go. Yeah, but 2016 base prism? Who cares? I mean, really, who cares? I mean, there's not, it's not a particularly noteworthy class. I mean, there's some good rookies in that class. Don't get me wrong. You know, you got Dak Prescott, most notably at this point. Michael Thomas, uh, Derrick Henry. But it's not like it's not like an iconic year. You know, if you go to 2017, which is an iconic year, you can get a PSA 9 Prism Silver of Brady for 86 bucks right now, and that's got pop 125. You know, so that's at least a 50% reduction on price, and I understand it's a PSA 9 out of 10, but it's also a silver, not a base. And in a 10, that's worth about 400 bucks with a pop of 187, the 2017 Prism. Um and the 9 has a pop of 125. So why the 16 has got so much love, I'm sure I don't know. Uh, but I will say that that particular card, not Tom Brady in particular, but that particular card is a hog. I think if I was holding this card right now, I'd probably be looking to move off of it with these kind of high price points around it. Now, Brady's cards have been pretty interesting. They've done pretty well over this year. Um, you know, obviously they took a huge jump with the Super Bowl and they really haven't come down. Pretty amazing. I mean, maybe there's been some changes. Let me look. Let me pull up a, a Tom Brady rookie real fast before I end that statement there, I suppose. Let me look at his PSA 9 over the last, uh, what would I say, six months. Over the last six months, it's down 7.4%, and that's because it, the most recent sale was a bad sale. But, uh, you know, over the last year, it's up 178%, PSA 9, Bowman, Chrome, Brady. So, yeah, his, his cards have done really well over the last year. And, um, I mean, so maybe it's going to be this thing where just like all base cards of Brady, especially in a 10, are just going to be worth money. Maybe, you know, maybe. Um, but it's hard for me to imagine that 2010, you know, tw- you know, 2000s and 2010s, you know, going into 2020 product is going to maintain the sort of collectability and fever that like, you know, a seventh year Mickey Mantle would. You know, obviously it's, you know, Mickey Man, I picked the big one there. But you know what I mean? Like, you go vintage, seventh year Hall of Famer, you know, Jim Brown, whatever. Those are still really collectible cards. They don't have that many cards. And they don't have huge pops. Um, Or print, I should say, they don't have huge print runs. But, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. This 2016 Tom Brady stuff, eh, you know. I probably wouldn't be buying into it unless it's, like, super rare. You know, maybe a gold prism or something like that. Even then the prices are so high, like, I'm obviously not buying into it. But, um, yeah, so that one just kind of caught my eye. I thought it was kind of honestly strange. Over And let me go back to that 2016 uh, PSA 10 Brady. Over the last year, the average sales price has been 110 bucks. Let me go to the last six months because we saw, you know, prices went up over the last six months. Over the last six months, the average price is 125 which is pretty amazing to me. Uh, the low price was actually that 86 number that I saw, that we saw just a month ago on 919. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard for me to even imagine there's 20 people out there that want this Brady in their collection, right? There's It's a Pop 99, 2016 Base Prism, PSA 10. It's not a particularly handsome card. You know, it's fine. It's Brady. It is what it is. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think is that card undervalued or un- overvalued or undervalued? I'm going to say it's a little overvalued. We're going to go hog. All right. Now let's go into GOAT talk i want to do some goat talk now and i don't really have too much <laughs> prepared but 
I just know that I am absolutely feeling 50s baseball right now. And I, I don't know why. I don't know what it is, but I am 100% drawn to, to 50s baseball right now. And, you know, I've been looking at this stuff, you know, anytime I'm looking at cards right now, that's really what I'm looking at. And, I mean, to me, there's something about 50s baseball that is amazing. These cards are so beautiful. I mean, they're, they're stunning. And it's so interesting to me, like, you know, year by year, they are very unique and different. You know, it's not like copy and paste. Like, when you look at maybe uh, 2018 versus 2019 versus 2020 tops baseball, you're like, ah, these all kind of look the same. A lot of times I forget which year Bo Bichette's rookie is because I'm like, is that 2019 or 2020? I can't tell the cards apart. But when you look at 50s baseball, it, there's that, that issue does not exist, especially with tops. The sets are so unique and honestly so iconic. Each one of them, 52, everyone knows 52, of course, because of Mantle. I mean, we all, okay, everybody knows 52. And then you go into 53, and they have these beautiful oil paintings that they use for the cards. It's like, who the hell thought that that was going to be, you know, a good return on money? They hire these artists to do these oil paintings. At least that's my understanding, that each card was was done as an oil painting. And then they turn it into a card. I'm like, gosh, that had to cost so much money. And then what I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about Willie Mays. I've really been looking at Willie, May car, Willie Mays cards. And... You know, as we talk about collecting and building a collection and just having one card of a player in your collection, that's what I'm looking at. That's where my mind space is at right now. So I'm looking at these 50s baseball cards. I'm like, I want one Willie Mays card. What am I going to get? And let me start with the assumption that 52 and probably 53 tops are more than I want to pay for a Willie Mays card in my collection. So then what next is available? And it's not because it's the next year. I have just fallen absolutely smitten for 1954 tops. This is an absolutely beautiful set. And I think that a lot of the players that I'm going to collect out of the 50s for baseball, I think I'm going to look to their 54 tops to add to my collection. I mean, this set is stunning. You know, just to review what a card looks like, right? We'll start with the 54 tops Willie Mays here. You have, first, you start with a, a bright background. Now, the Willie Mays happens to be yellow with a three-quarter of the way around white border. So there's a white border on the left, bottom, and right of the card, but at the top, there's no border, which is kind of odd at first, but then over time, I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. I kind of like that they don't have it. It's different. And then they have that stark color in the background. The Willie Mays, again, is yellow. You've got, there's two Ted Williams in the set. One is like an orange and one is a yellow. You see green in the set. You see blue. You see all these colors. And those colors really pop. And I think they make the cards really stand out and they've done well. And on top of that, the more I dig in the vintage, the more I appreciate color in these cards. And having a good, vibrant color to me really adds to the eye appeal. The yellow on the Willie Mays, by the way, is very much the yellow in the Joe Namath rookie. Very much the same. And then, so moving off the background of the card and the border, moving to the foreground, you've got two pictures of the player plus an autograph from the player, right? The, the you know, a printed autograph on there. Now, 
These guys have such beautiful autographs. The autographs stand out as stunning to begin with. You know, the Hank Aaron card, obviously, 54 Hank Aaron card is one of the bigger cards in the hobby. And that's, you know, I think you might, in your mind, might be able to see that Hank Aaron auto. I mean, it's just, it's just nice. You know, Hank Aaron, it's just a beautiful autograph. Willie Mays here, beautiful autograph. And then you look at the two pictures. You've got one picture in color that's a close-up of the player's face, which is awesome. You get to see their face. You get to see, you know, who they are. You get to see some expression from them. It, it makes you feel connected with the player. And then much smaller picture, a full a full action picture of them. When I say full, I mean you get head-to-toe of them. They didn't crop anything out. It's head-to-toe. You know, the Willie Mays, he's taking a swing. He's in the, you know, the back part of his swing there. The bat's behind his head. And it's all the full bats in the picture, everything. And that's in black and white. And you've just got these four layers, you know, this stark colored background. And then the way the layers go, it's the background, then the big headshot, then the black and white photo, and then the autograph. And each layer just works. I mean, they just work so well individually, and they each work so well together. Whoever developed 1954 Tops, kudos. I mean, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal set. I'm all over this Willie Mays stuff, been looking at it. Um, and then, you know, one year I'm not crazy about as we talk about 50s baseball. Now, I like 55 tops. 55 tops is, um, so 54 tops is a, a vertical card. 55 tops is horizontal. There's a lot of similarities. They do a little bit of a gradient in the background, but the rest is you do get a big headshot. You do get an action photo. You do get the autograph, and the action photo this time is in color. Um, I prefer the 54, but the 55 is still a beautiful card. I'm looking at 55 maybe to pick up an Ernie Banks. That's second year for, for Mr. Banks. A year people really love that I really I don't like that much. I don't know. Why, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't like 56 tops. Yeah, I think 56 tops is probably one of the more iconic sets that aren't, you know, it, that isn't 52 or 53. And to me, I'm just not crazy about it. I, it and, just, and on this one, you've got an action photo, you've got the headshot, and you've got the autograph. You don't have a background. The background is the action photo. And instead of a, a, a cutout of the player, you know, it's a full, you know, full screen photo, essentially, of what they got going on in that game. And I mean, some of the photos are pretty cool. I mean, I give them that. Like, to me, for me to say that like, I don't like the 56 tops, I'm just saying, like, if I would start ranking the 50s tops sets, it would be near the bottom, right? Probably at 59 at the very bottom, followed by 58, then maybe 56, right? And then, you know, in front of the action photo, you've got their headshot and then the autograph. To me, the colors also, I think I think part of my issue is the colors to me are not as vibrant. I, I really like that 54 and 55 because it's got really vibrant colors. Um, yeah. And then as you go over to 57 tops, I guess we'll just run through and talk about them all. Um, and if you're watching this on YouTube, you know, I'll post the pictures up. If you're on podcast, I'm doing my best. Um, <laughs> uh, 57 tops is just a classic, classic card, just a beautiful staged photo on the field, right? And the Willie Mays, he's, he's holding a bat, you know, looking like he's looking at a pitch and there's stands behind him, um, with very simple, it says Willie Mays, New York Giants outfield, you know, very simple. Not big, you know, it's very much about the player, and then it has a very simple white border around the picture. Super simple card. I like it. I like it, you know. Um, I would rank it probably, you know, again, if we did 59, 58, 57 tops is like, or 56 tops is my least three favorite. 57 tops would actually fall right just one above that. 
I just like the other ones so much. 58 is kind of a weird year, in my opinion. I don't know. I guess in a way it's very similar to 54 and 55. Uh, but here on 58, they don't include the autograph. They don't have an action photo. It's just a headshot. They are nice headshots. There are good colors. The Willie Mays has a, a light blue background behind him, and it's not the sky. It is a light blue background with a headshot. It's a great photo of him. I'll give him that. And, you know, the rest of the design works for me, but I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just never was big on 58 Tops. It just wasn't a set that I was, like, that crazy about. Although the Willie Mays, I gotta say, it, it, the Willie Mays does look pretty good. But, I mean, it's Willie Mays. He always looks good, right? And then as we go into 59, I mean, I might as well say it since I already said it was my least favorite. I hate, 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 hate cars that are designed like this. You've got that, so actually the same stark yellow background from 54, which you think I would like. But instead of cropping Willie Mays's head onto the background, they cut out a circle in the middle of the card, essentially. Just imagine a circle in the middle of the card where there's no background, and it's just a full photo of Willie Mays's, you know, a headshot of Willie Mays, you know, with stuff behind him. To me, I don't like that as much. I like the background to just kind of run and do its thing. But, you know, to each their own. And it's got a full white border. It's just, it's not for me. It's just not the card for me. It's, it's definitely my least favorite 50s baseball set. I mean, there's no question. And I, 58, you know, in football, they run this same design in 58 Tops football. And I actually hate it. The Jim Brown, like I bought one, a 58 Tops Jim Brown, because like it's just an iconic card and I know I need to buy it. But I actually hate that card. Like, I much prefer the 59 Tops. To me, it's just a much, you know, more eye-appealing card. Just has a lot of color. Uh, just a great card. So, that's my GOAT talk. I mean, we it was kind of a little bit different here. We didn't talk about one specific player or anything like that. Uh, I mean, I guess I did talk about Willie Mays specifically. But I've been all over vintage baseball. And that's going to lead me to this week's Cash Cow. Which is going to be basically the same song and dance that we actually started the show off with, and maybe I shouldn't have got into it then, but oh well. The Cash Cow, right, the most underrated play I think that is out there right now is this vintage stuff, man. And specifically, I think vintage football. I just, I think it's crazy how low this stuff is. Um, You know, I think, look, this is a guess. It's pure speculation, right? You, you have to understand, I like football cards the most. I like football the most. And when I look at these prices, and I see, you know, the equivalents of Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, who, you know, whoever, Joe DiMaggio, when I see their equivalents in football going for like a tenth of the price, I'm like, I mean, how is this possible? You know, it's crazy to me. And, I mean, baseball has a stronger, you know, hobby Especially from that era, you know, the baseball card hobby was much stronger than what football was. But, I mean, I don't know, man. To me, this football stuff just seems so cheap. And obviously, you can disagree. And obviously, this is an opinion. So, I 100,000% could be wrong. Probably am wrong. But I think this football stuff is cheap. And when you look at football viewership ratings and all this stuff, it's up, 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 up. Because people like football. And I just think that this is where, you know, big money is going to go. And I think when I look back and, and think about what mistakes I made over the last 20 years, and one I can't really judge myself on is, but I do, is I didn't buy enough vintage. Well, I sold too much vintage stuff. I bought a lot of vintage stuff, but I sold it. 
And why was that a mistake? Well, obviously that stuff is done really well, right? And when I I think back, you know, I talked about I bought a raw Kobe Bryant tops a decade ago for sixteen bucks, and I ended up grading a PSA nine. It was beautiful condition. And you know, you say, oh, that's a bargain, yeah. But that was just like the going rate. I probably overpaid. You know, I was like twelve or something. Who knows? I, was, I guess I was twenty, whatever. I'm sure I overpaid. And when I look at this football stuff now, let me let me go back to the Kobe. The reason that Kobe was so cheap is because it was abundant. You could find it everywhere. And when I look at this football stuff now, you know, let me I'm gonna pull up eBay here. Let me look at 1958. Well, I was talking about Montana. Let's go 1965. Joe Montana. Joe Namath. All right, I'm gonna search. I'm going to put in a filter for every card of 1965 tops, Joe Namath, under four grand. And I'm going to remove reprint from the subject here. And let's see. Oh my God, this was horrible. Why did I do this live? What am I doing? Um, hold on. Let me pull up. Uh, it's still got too many reprints in here. 122 is in the card number. 122. Four, five, six, seven. All right, so seven. There's 16 listings right now on eBay for Joe Montana, authentic, seemingly, 1965 Tops cards. Under four grand. 16. There's 16 Joe Namus listed that low. And, you know, I, I know I picked four grand, but you've still got one, two, three, four, five listed at two grand or under, which seems, I mean, it's the most iconic football card there is. So I think, you know, whatever, it's probably worth looking at. I, I really don't know. I really don't know that there's more than like zero. <laughs> of these listed on eBay for less than four grand in a few years. You know, you all know I bought a 65 Namath recently. I, I paid two grand for a PSA 3, which is an absolute steal at this point. That card's going for over three grand. I bought it like a month ago, and I'm not going to sell it. I thought about it, but I'm not going to do it. I want it in my collection, and I'm like, okay, if I sell it, I have to buy it back. When am I going to buy it back? And I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to buy this back, so I'm just not going to sell it. So that's where I stand at it now, and just to get that out of the way so no one thinks I'm doing the old pump and dump here, but you got 16 listings at four grand and under. You've got five listings at two grand and under. And I just, I don't see any way you get a Joe, Joe Namath rookie in like three years for two grand. I just don't see, I don't even see four grand. Why? Why is that? Fanatics, all these other companies, they talk about all this money coming into the hobby. That money has to go somewhere. It has to go buy something. You know, and, and maybe some of that is institutional. Well, most of it is institutional money, but what I mean is, well, some of it may be infrastru infrastructural. Inf infrastructure? It might be for infrastructure, right? You know, building out a base of graders, building out the supply chain to do direct to consumer, right? For for uh, fanatic sports cards, things like that. But I still would guess that if this is a three billion or whatever it was eight billion dollar industry today, and it's a ninety seven billion dollar industry five years from now, I would guess. At least a couple of billion are going into cards, you know, actual cards. 
And really, I think that a lot of that's going to go into fractional. I think people are going to, you know, I think some of these bigger institutional money things are going to come in, buy some cards for fractional intentions and, um, you know, dry up those markets. So the question is, if if we know in a five-year horizon, the industry is going to ex- just explode, if that's the estimation, and we expect, you know, reasonably so, that spending on sports cards increases by a couple billion dollars, where's that money going to go? Is it going to go only to Fanatics Wax? Because a lot of y'all tell me you're not going to buy Fanatics Wax. Okay. Well, if it's not going to go to Fanatics Wax, what's it going to be? Is it going to be all this hoarded Panini and Topps Wax? Well, people are hoarding that for a reason, and a lot of them seem pretty set on sitting on it for a little while. But I certainly could see some of that moving. You know, I certainly see the price on that stuff kind of going up, at least, you know, for previous years. I don't know about 2020 and post. I think a lot of it goes to vintage, and I think a lot of it goes... I think a lot of it goes to vintage, you know, people who are really undervalued. When you look at who they are, how rare their card is, how iconic their card is, um, you know, I'm giving you Joe Namath here, right? I think that's one that could happen, but let's go 1961 tops, um, Jerry West. Is that the right year? That's the right year, right? Oh, Fleer, sorry, Fleer. I should have known that. Fleer, Jerry West. And let's pull out reprint and RP. And there's a few at auction. Let me just look at buy it now. So on um, buy it now, I mean, he's got, so he's got two cards because he's got the insert, right? Kind of like the action thing or whatever. It's number 43. Let me pull this up. Number 43. You've got 13 cards, 13 Jerry West 61 Fleer rookies listed under four grand. And you've got one, two, three, four, four listed under two grand. So very similar to Joe Namath when we talk about what is available at what prices, right? These are just authentic rookies. I'm not saying specifically, you know, the the grade or anything like that. And to me, this 61 Jerry West is very much, in my head, the same as that 65 Joe Namath. I think this stuff is so undervalued, so underrated. I mean, this is a 61 Fleer set, which is one of the most popular sets out there, one of the most iconic basketball sets out there. And Jerry West... You know, I think a lot of people will take for granted how amazing Jerry West has been to the NBA. He's a Hall of Fame player and a Hall of Fame executive. Now, he may not have that exact designation. They may not have him in the Hall of Fame as both. I I don't know if they do or not. But what he has done as an executive makes him Hall of Fame. I mean, there's no question. Kobe Shaq, he put that together. That whole Clippers run, he put that together. You know this most current this current Clippers run, but probably more importantly than all than both of those, Golden State and Golden State Dynasty. Guess who was the mastermind? Jerry West. Jerry West was there, looking at how is basketball going to evolve. What do we want to do? And a brief clarification: West was not with uh, Golden State when they drafted Steph Curry. He he got there two years later, uh, but still had a lot to do with the I guess you would say vision. And how that team was going to move forward. You know, there were still a lot of questions about Steph at that point in his career. Um, you know, he hadn't really revolutionized the game yet. That's going to happen over the next couple of years post Jerry West getting there. So, and then on top of that, I mean, he, the dude's the logo, right? I mean, come on, man. How iconic is Jerry West? 
And uh, I just feel like he's, I feel like his card, especially at 61 Fleer, is just taken for granted in the hobby. Uh, I mean, LeBron James speaks glowingly about him. I think that's going to help him long-term as well. Um, so I don't I, To me, Jerry West, 61 Fleer, Joe Namath, 65 Tops, you know, and a lot of different cards like this that essentially, I mean, they're iconic cards. And if you can get them, you know, graded and authenticated for two grand and under, I mean, that seems good to me. I mean, I understand that's a big bill and a lot of money. But, you know, if we just accept that, you know, anywhere from 2 to $20 billion, whatever, are going to come in and buy cards, where's that money going to go? Especially on the second market, where's it going to go? And it's going to go to this stuff, in my opinion. I mean, you're probably going to see the Mahomes get picked up and the Bradys. I mean, but that still kind of fits in this kind of GOAT discussion. Um, but when we look at there is you know, 13 Jerry West listed for under four grand right now and only four listed for under two grand, that is a really small pop. And if I came in with a billion dollars, you know, you could just snap all these Jerry Wests up and not even blink at it. I mean, if you came in with a million dollars, you could buy all these Jerry Wests and not and not think about it. And at that $4,000 price tag, I mean, you can get BVG, you know, 4.5, you know, PSA 4, I mean, you can get some good stuff at that $4,000 price tag. And, you know, I would imagine that if I took that filter off, you know, you'd probably be looking at getting maybe some fives and negotiating it down to under 5000 Let me look at card ladder real fast. Let me see what the what the uh, value for a five is right now. So a six is valued at $4,991 right now. So, I mean, that like... <laughs> That seems pretty good. What's the pop? 266. So there's 28 and a 9, which is amazing. 153 and an 8, so that's what, 175? 229 and a 7. So what is that? Two, that's 400. 266 and a 6. 6, we'll call it 675. Another 200 and a 5, that's 875. 179 and a 4. We'll call it a thousand and fifty, roughly. Seventy-four and a three, and then forty-two and a two. I mean, it's a one thousand one hundred and fifty sixty-one Fleer Jerry West. You know, I mean, that's such a small pop report when you talk about what that card is. You know, we talked about earlier about that Tom Brady. Who I said maybe there's twenty people on the planet that really want a twenty sixteen Prism Base PSA ten Tom Brady. How many people you think want a 61 Fleer Jerry West? I would guess more than 1,200. I would guess more than the pop report. And so to me, I mean, this stuff just seems really, really low for what it is. Um, so there you go. That's my cash cow vintage. And I, like I told you, I'm, I'm fiending over 50s baseball. I really am looking at that because I do think it's undervalued and I want to pick some of it up. Uh, and then this 61 Fleer Jerry West is a card that I've been looking at for a while. Some of these ones under two grand I've made offers on. I uh, just haven't been able to come up with something. Uh, you know, when you're dealing in that kind of stuff, for me, what I like to look at is I appeal. I could care less what the grade is. I just care that it's graded authentic because, I mean, someone could fake this and get it by me, no problem. So I do want these graded just for that security of authentication. Um but then, you know, after that, it's eye appeal. It's strictly eye appeal. I don't care if it's a one, 
you know, it could be a 0 0.5, you know, which doesn't exist. But if it did, you know, that would be fine with me if it had the eye appeal that I'm looking for. You know, sometimes you'll see stuff like that. It could have a, a low grade, you know, maybe it gets a one because it's got maybe some writing on the back or something like that. That's still fine. That's still fine. I have no issue with that stuff, man. This stuff is so rare. You can't be picky and, you know, you're getting into kind of expensive cards here over a grand. So, you know, you, you want to make sure you get something that, that you're happy with uh, and is, is going to be happy, you know, you're going to be happy with in your collection. And if you're looking at, at this as a, as a long-term hold, it's hard for me to imagine. Like what, what you don't want to do is pay full price for like a four that's just clearly off center, right? That's what you don't want to do because that's just going to fall at the bottom of the range for a four. And when you look at these price charts for these cards, sometimes you may see how come a three is worth more than a four. It's probably because the last comps on both, it was a, a good looking three versus a bad looking four. And most collectors would, would rather have the good looking three, you know, well-centered soft corners writing on the back. What, who cares? I don't care. As long as it's well-centered, has good vibrant colors and is in focus. I'm happy. And that's what I'm looking for in these cards. That's why I'm so happy with my name. You know, it's just beautiful, vibrant colors, extremely well-centered and extremely sharp focus. It's got some minor creasing at the top and in, in areas. It doesn't even go all the way across. I mean, super minor creasing. That's what's giving it a grade of three. But I mean, on first glance, it's even got sharp corners. On first glance, that thing looks like an eight. You know, it looks so good. Even on the back, it's well-centered. But it's got those little creases and it kills the grade. But on my bookshelf, it looks great. You feel me? So there's my goat talk. Do we have anything else before we go into uh, this interview? I got for next week takes, man. I just just watch basketball. Basketball prices are going to be crazy. Stuff's going to be flying up, flying down. It's going to be wild. It's going to be fun to see. I think it might be the time like I enjoy Star Stock the most. Like it's just fun to see this stuff just going. You know, you just try to move in. It's a lot of fun. You know, just enjoy it. And maybe I'll say that too at the end of this. Just enjoy the hobby, guys. You know, we keep getting I see negative comments all over the place. We get them on YouTube. We get them here, there, everywhere. I, which Listen, guys, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that you think I'm stupid. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm giving my opinion about cards and, like, what I like about them. Like, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, just yeah, don't be so negative out here, man. You know, if you've got a difference of opinion, voice your difference of opinion don't, uh, you know, just don't be rude to people, right? You know, it's a small community. It really is a small community, you know, and, and you may think that you're some anonymous person on the internet leaving a crappy comment on someone's channel because that's what you feel like doing and you know, there's going to be no blowback and there may not be, but uh, it's a small community and I just wouldn't take that risk. You know, I just say if, if someone, if you think someone's doing something you're not crazy about, you know, try try to approach that as productively as possible. Remember, you know, you probably want to change their mind about something, not piss them off. So just remember that. Take that approach as you move into these things. All right, I'm going to shut up now. We're going to go hop over to the interview with Loco Card Collector. It was a fun interview. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so I hope you all enjoy that interview. I hope you all enjoy this episode. I'm not going to do a sign-off at the end or anything. We'll just end it with the interview. I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And until next time, my friends, as always, keep collecting. How long have you been doing sports cards? 
So um, I, I got back into it in August of 2020. So a little bit after, you know, maybe during the height of the NBA bubble and heading into the football season for 2020. Oh, you got back in August. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> when you say back in, back in from when? When was the last well, time you so, Yeah, I know. It, it's a little bit, I, it was kind of like uh, choppy um, in and out, I guess. I collected as a kid and continued to collect through maybe um, 96, 97. Um, I was in college from 93 to 97. So I collected off and on. Uh, and then I finally just really stopped in 99. I just kind of stopped buying boxes of cards. I kind of lost interest in it. Sure. Put all my, yeah, <laughs> put all my cards. Well, I was one of the people that created the dead era. Um, and so just put all my cards away in a storage. And I did get back mm. into it in 2008, though. I just, for whatever reason, I was at home a lot and started looking at my cards. And I started buying in 08. And I bought a lot of stuff from the 80s and 90s that had gone way down in value because I remembered, God, this, these cards used to be worth so much money and I just want to have them in my collection. Right. So uh, those were the cards that I pulled out and started selling in August of 2020 because they had gone up in value. I was, I, I was shocked. You know, what? I, I thought these things would never be worth anything ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and me both, man. What, what type of cards was that? So it was just like, uh, 80, like, so I started collecting in 1985. So I bought like, 85 Pops, Donruss, 84 Fleer, a lot of 80s baseball. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then I started buying um, just boxes that I could find on sale, like on blowout cards. Um, so I got some 05 Bowman Chrome. I was trying to get the Aaron Rodgers auto. I bought a couple of Tops Chrome, uh, you know, 05 football. Uh, I just started getting into buying newer stuff in 08, but not, not, not 08 stuff, but prior year, because that was the stuff that was discounted. So I was buying like 05, 06, those type, those years of football and maybe baseball. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I remember back then too, like me and my buddy, we'd always buy rookies after year one because like it was just way cheap. It was just so much cheaper. But now, I mean, when you look at prices, I mean, it, it can be that way if they have a bad year now, but. It's just not if they're good and you want to buy them like it's not that way now, you know, stuff gets expensive fast and it stays expensive. Yeah, I, I, I feel, though, like there are some opportunities, um, like if you had bought Zach Levine before the start of last NBA season, it seems like a lot of people knew he was good, but his card prices didn't reflect it. And then for whatever reason, he got really popular and there was the spike in his card prices. And they haven't really seemed to come down from that spike, even with the drop in the market, because they're so rare. Um, you know, they're kind of hard to find. And I've noticed that with rookies around that 2014, 2015, 2016, those years, um, that it seems like they should be worth more based on how rare they are. And they're in the prime of their careers in the NBA. But people are still going after um, maybe newer players, the, the newer stars. I mean, yeah, those those cards oddly are still getting killed with base hate, or at least they you yes, know, went through a phase yeah. of it. Yes, I agree. I, and uh, and I've asked a couple of people do they do they think that's like a buying opportunity? Like, should I buy a Zach Levine Prism base because there's base hate, but that card is genuinely, uh, you know, genuinely has a lower print run. So once that phase passes, you know, people are going to start chasing 
whatever cards are available of his, um, is it a good buy low? And I think a lot of people have mixed mixed opinions on that. I couldn't really get a a clear answer, um, which I think is gen in general that seems to be the case with with the hobby today about every topic. You know, you can get you can get an opinion one way or another way on almost every topic. It seems like. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean his cards in particular. I'm pulling up his numbers. I he was kind of like I really viewed him as like a bad player for most of his career. Uh, but he's definitely like gone to another level. Yeah, I mean his three point percentage has gone from. I mean he's he's a career thirty eight five three point per, uh, you know shooter, but last year he shot forty one point nine percent from three. You know it's like it's a huge difference, and I don't know. It just seemed like he wasn't gonna make. He wasn't really going to develop that three point shot, but then suddenly he did. You know, well, we'll see what happens. 41.9 last year, and then in 2019 it was 38. So we'll see what happens uh, this coming right. year. Yeah, we don't have the long track record yet. So that's, that's there's the jury's still out. And I feel like Julius Randle's another one who really improved his three point shot and saw a spike. And that was actually one of my biggest flips, which uh, it was just really odd. I bought a Julius Randle Silver 10 um, when there was, I guess, for, there was a lull in the season. I can't remember what happened. Maybe the Knicks went on a losing streak. And I was able to get that card for 450. Then he got really hot. I think they went on this winning streak of nine games. And I sold it on eBay for 1800 It was just, it was unbelievable. Like, that's never happened again. You know, I mean, at the time, I'm thinking, oh, this, this hobby is great you know you can do that over and over <laughs> it's like no that was a one-time thing um but yeah uh I, so i that, that's the thing i, I kind of I, I don't know who i who i watched to initially understand that there were shorter print runs in you know 20 2009 through 2016 and i really honed in on those years and i kind of stayed away from um the trey youngs the lucas uh zion especially and john moran I, I really didn't buy any of their cards even through all the hype and, and in the january february run-up um i just thought their prices were just too high and i was able to find you know get into some zach levine's early and julius randall before you know they really spiked not because i was so savvy but because their prices were low i was just looking at who's on who's on sale and, yeah. and then watching them play and saying i think this, this guy's probably you know got a shot at you know, doing something this year, maybe his cards will go up. So. Yeah, Randall's an interesting one too. Just like <laughs> he went from like, hey, career's borderline over, not like over, like you're out of the league, but over uh, from a relevant standpoint. And then all of a sudden, boom, all star. You know, it's amazing how he kind of turned it around. And it just goes to show you that a lot of these guys, you know, you got to give it a couple of years. You know, I think he's 26 now, or last year, I think he was. And you know, that's his first, that's his breakout season was at 26. And I think, especially in the hot prospecting market, people tend to give up on guys. Oh, they didn't, they're not a pro bowler. They're not an all-star their first year, second year. Well, I'm done with them, you know. And Randall, it took, I think, seven years. I think it was the seventh year in the league. Uh, yeah, well, 2014. So, yeah, it must have been his seventh year. Yeah. 14 is a long time. You know, that was a long time ago. Um, and, and it's funny, yeah, these guys are still young. You know, seven years later, it's not like they're 32 or, you know, on their on their down, you know, downward trend of their career. It's like they still have a lot of a lot of good years left. And I'm starting to look at that um, now at the card show today, especially, you know, there's a lot of slabs on sale um, 
Sekou Dumbuya, Kendrick Nunn, um, younger well, player. Dumbuya's <laughs> not even on a team, is he? I maybe not. I don't. I, the I Rockets. I'm pretty sure the Rockets traded for him from the Nets and then cut him. I don't know if anyone's picked him up. Picked him I, up. I thought I saw him on a on a. I was looking at you know a preseason game and I thought I saw his name. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I was just looking at players that were so hyped up just last year. You know, before the start of the season, and um, or maybe even two. You know, two years ago or whatever. And I was, I'm starting to think, okay, who's going to get playing time? Who's actually going to, um, you know, develop their develop their game and, and become kind of like the next Julius Randle or Zach Levine? Or, you know, they might be missing something now, but there might be hope for them down the road. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on that now, especially while, uh, you know, these the, you can get any of these guys dirt cheap. Whereas last year, going, I remember Kobe White. I think just his base prison PSA 10 was $240 going into the season. And now, now, you know, now it's a, you know, you got, you find it in the value slab with PSA 10 for 30 and you could probably talk them yeah. down to 15, you know, probably so. Yeah. And then, yeah. So Dembuya, he's on the, oh, the Lakers <laughs> actually, he's on the Lakers. That's, he's got a two way contract with the Lakers. That's how I saw his name. I was like, oh wait, he's on the, how is he on the Lakers? <laughs> Yeah, I know the Rockets traded for him. What trade was that? I don't even remember, but it was with the Nets. Who did we send to the Nets? I don't remember now. doesn't matter. We, I, didn't, we yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know he was on the Rockets, and I just saw his name on the Lakers, and I'm like, I don't know how he ended up there, but I'm going to find out what happened to his career. But I, I now know more just from talking to you than I, than <laughs> I did. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for the fact that he went to the Rockets. I was like, oh, okay, we got somebody the hobby loves, you know? Yeah. Him and KPJ, and I think Jalen Green's going to be like that too, but Jalen Green's super talented. And so is KPJ. And uh, then they, But they immediately cut him. I just thought it was interesting. But, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, have you, uh, are you planning on going to any – I guess you probably aren't planning on going to any card shows with the, with the new baby. <laughs> the, the Dallas show is the Halloween weekend. I might go up there for a day. Uh, it's hard. It's hard for me. I'm in Houston, so it's a four and a half hour drive to go to the Dallas show. So it's hard to actually make that just a day trip. I'll probably spend a night still, but uh, you know, just 24 hours in and out of Dallas, probably. What about you? How was the card show today that you went to? You said you went to a show. You said that somebody, I guess, a dealer dropped out, so you you had a table set up. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and I thought I, I thought it was going to be a busy. You know, like we tried to get a table maybe three weeks ago and they said it was sold out. So I'm like, Oh, this show's going to be popping. Um, but today was a pretty dead day. I heard yesterday was actually kind of dead as well. Um, it didn't seem like there were a lot of people buying. Uh, it seemed like there were more people selling, not even necessarily trading, but just looking to, you know, get, <laughs> what is that? I see, I can... <laughs> yeah. Well, the podcast people won't see, but like, or yeah, I... <laughs> Man, everyone's always like, oh, yeah, you go and you trade. I'm like, I never find dealers that want to trade. These motherfuckers want to sell. That's all they want to do is sell. They don't actually want to trade. You know, but okay. I don't know. But, I, you know, I also probably did a bad job of walking around with rare stuff. I was like, not walking around with rare stuff was my issue. So that's probably why they didn't want to trade with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, could you blame? I mean, I don't know. What do I? Cause I know a dealer doesn't want trash, so I don't walk around with trash. You know, I walk around with you know two to five hundred dollar cards, which some people are going to call trash. But you know, it's liquid cards; it's cards you can move. You know, so right, yeah. And they're, what, they're not interested in it, or yeah, usually. I mean, I, you know, Luca prisms, 
I've walked around with and had, you know, struggled with. I'm trying to remember. I walked around with some Kyler Murray stuff in May in Dallas, and nobody wanted it. And, wow. Uh, I guess they made a mistake, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and I'll tell you, it's really interesting that you say that because I really feel that even though we, I feel like a lot of YouTube content creators um, throw this idea that we're more educated, you know, the hobby, the the collectors and investors are more educated than ever or, you know, that, that they're more savvy. I think there are a lot of people that are not so savvy or so educated because, um I just feel like they'll, they'll, I'll put stuff like today I had a table and I'll put stuff super cheap just to see if they know what it is and that it's, you know, way under eBay comps and they'll just pass. So many people will just pass over it. And it, this, these aren't like hidden stars, you know, these are today's, you know, whatever baseball's going on or NBA's starting or NFL, you know, these are top, top of the line players and they just seem to not know the cards or the value of the cards. Um, you know, here and there, you know, it surprises me, I guess. And and I've had other dealers tell me the same thing. They're like, I had this Russell Wilson for 200 and it was a steal and nobody wanted it. And then it just sold on eBay right now for 450 or something, you know? And so there's, there's all these, you know, I don't know, there's so much price movement. I guess it's also hard to keep track of that. So that, that could be another reason. Yeah. Well, uh, but, Russell Wilson, yeah. Russell Wilson's one, man. I just don't, I don't understand what the hell people are doing. Like Russell Wilson I mean, he's a top 10 quarterback of all time, and his cards have low pops, and no, he gets no respect in the hobby. I, I just don't understand Russell Wilson not getting that respect. And I'm telling you now, at the end of this year, there's going to be a breakup in Seattle. Either Russ Wilson's going somewhere or Pete Carroll's going somewhere. And when they put somebody who's running an offense not from 1970 in Seattle <laughs> with Russ Wilson— it's going to work out. It's going to be great. I, people are sleeping on Russ Wilson. And I mean, but they've been doing it for two years. You know, that's a guy, a lot of people, if you watch any football card content, a lot of people have said for a long time his card prices are undervalued and they've done nothing but go down. So, you know, I, it's, I don't know. It's so strange. I know. And especially with the low pop count. Um, and, you know, I have two buddies that are, that are getting into the hobby and they're kind of more looking for bigger cards. They wanted me to look out for a Wander Franco uh, Bowman Chrome Auto. They want to like, all of us go into it together and um, whatever, right? And so I threw out Russell. I was like, hey, let's let's try to get into a Russell Wilson. His prices are super low and his card is, is pretty rare. And first thing my friend says, Russell Wilson sucks. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? He's like, so, and, he does know, not so, suck. I'm, so, I'm thinking, okay, if he thinks Russell Wilson sucks, that means there are a lot of people who feel that same way. And I can, I can kind of see why the card prices will be down. So yeah, I, uh, looks like I'm going to buy, have to buy Russell Wilson's myself because yeah. I, I agree with you hundred percent. A dude can play. And just, just watching a few of his games, the eye, it's all about the eye test. I mean, that guy makes plays. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see how it plays out in the end. Right. Yeah. One of my bigger cards, like that I made a personal play on, I picked up a PSA nine tops Chrome refractor of his rookie for four twenty five, I think. It just feels so cheap, man. We're talking 2012, four. You know, I mean, I, I think a LeBron Chrome refractor from that year might go for 425. You know, I'm getting a rookie, a rookie Russ. That seems pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. But I do think a lot of people carry a stigma with Russ because those first few years he wasn't the quarterback that he is now, 
And the defense really did, you know, carry him, which happened. I mean, that's okay. And I think some people think that he's not a good quarterback, that it's, he's just, it's based on the defense. But when you watch those games, man, he's just, the, Pete Carroll's so bad as a head coach now. He's so out of touch. It's crazy. It, they need to get a new coach. It's, it's, it's ridiculous to me, but whatever. Yeah, I, I, do, you, do you feel that way about um, Belichick as well now? No, it's not like every 70-year-old. Belichick still runs a good game. Andy Reid still calls a good game. Pete Carroll, he he's still trying to run freaking 2005 USC <laughs> offense. You know, it's like, what are we doing, guy? Come on. Yeah, and he has no, he has no Marshawn Lynch. To, yeah, to like, exactly. You know, and they've been so – Yeah, <laughs> they've struggled with running backs so much. They actually have good running backs, but they keep getting hurt. And then they made bad – you know, when Pete Carroll first comes on over to the uh, Seahawks, whether that's 2012 or 20, whenever it was, they do great in the draft. They, I mean, look at their drafts. They draft, they pick up Richard Sherman, no one saw coming. They pick up, pick up Bobby Wagner. They pick up Russ Wilson, all in the late rounds. Why? Pete Carroll recruited these guys when he was at USC. He knew these guys. Mm. But now he's out of touch. And he, now they're drafting Rashad Penny in the first round. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? They got lucky with DK Metcalf falling to him in the second. I'll give him that, and that was a great pick. I'll give him that one. But uh, you know, outside of that, their drafts. Uh, what are you doing? You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, man. You, so you said you came back in August 2020. So what have you primarily been buying? Well, you said that kind of that era, you know. But has it been football, basketball? You know, what have you been really picking on? Yeah, so when I so I came back in August and football was about to start, so I started buying some football, and then the baseball playoffs were about to start, so I bought some baseballs as well. I bought a oh yeah a August. That's the big the big spike. The first big spike was in August 2020. I mean that's when it to the moon because the right. bubble. I guess the playoff bubble, the uh, NBA bubble was going. Yes, and the and the football prices were high too. And I, I bought a couple of Josh Allen's right at the start of the season, and they went down in value by half like within you know by week bills kind of slumped in the middle of the year yeah <laughs> which i had i known what i know now i would have bought more right but yeah <laughs> was i panicked i was like oh shoot i just bought these cards and now that you know i lost half its value in a matter of a couple of weeks and i kind of partner up with my brother on this so uh, we kind of have created a budget to buy these cards and I, he was not into it yet. He had no idea what was going on. So I didn't want to tell him that I already lost half our money, like <laughs> within a couple of <laughs> So, uh, but I didn't buy any more because I didn't want to get more in the hole. You know, I, I have no idea what was going on at this point. Um, and then he, my brother finally got in December is when he really got the bug and he's on eBay, like every day like i think he, he might you know he might need an intervention at this point <laughs> <laughs> is he he still got the bug now oh yeah yeah oh <laughs> man man he stuck with it that's good what's he, is he in the same like era that you're buying the same type of cards or is he like totally different he's a he, uh he's eight years younger than i am mm-hmm. so he collected a different era like he was more of the penny hardaway um shack that kind of mid nineties was when he started really getting into it and going to card stores and buying packs. So that was kind of his, his era, I guess he's, I guess basically a decade younger than I am. So, yeah. And, and he was never that, cards as much as I was, you know, when I was a kid, oh, that's but interesting. He, got, he got it. Yeah. He got it worse. Like as adults, he got into it even, <laughs> even worse than I did. That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, I mean, you said you went and set up shop at a, at a show today i mean 
are you doing this part-time on the side? Are you doing this kind of full-time? You know, how, how active are you in uh, this market? Yeah. So this is more just for fun. Um, I think ultimately I'd like to get some content out of it, you know, like do some vlogs, like actually being at the show. Um, but yeah, it's just, honestly, it, a lot of it is just to relieve stress from my, my regular job. You know, like I get, I work a lot and I get pretty stressed out. And so it's actually relaxing to go to a card show and just, um, look for deals, talk to people. I think this is the most I've ever interacted with other card collectors in my life. So it, it's a lot of fun for me. And that's, that's really what I enjoy about it. It's not really, um, you know, a part-time job or, or I'm not really that concerned with, am I making, you know, if I'm making money, am I not making money? It's just like, for example, I'll give people deals because I could tell, like there was a, a dot, another Dodger fan, right? A fellow Dodger fan that came up to the table, which I was shocked because I'm in San Francisco. You're right? a Dodger so fan? I, I in the podcast. Dodger. Get this guy the, off this. Plug pulled. <laughs> Keep going. So you um, saw a Dodgers fan at the, at the show. Yeah. And the show, and the show was in San Francisco. Right. And so like, I, I'm not wearing my Dodgers or anything. In San yeah. You don't want to get killed. That's fine. No, no, it's the other way. It's the Dodgers fans that killed the Giants fans. I'm sure. It, it is. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. No, I, I went to game five and I, I felt totally safe, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so like, you know, another Dodger fan comes up and he's excited about the cards that he's looking at and he's just trying to get a deal or whatever. I'll give him a little extra deal. Even though in my mind it's like okay, I'm into that Will Smith for for ten dollars, and you know I wanted to sell it for twenty, um, whatever. I'll bring it down to a price where he can have it and go home and be happy, and I'm not really too concerned with profit margin or anything like that. Yeah, I think people get way too hung up on I got to make money on this card. God, just take the cash, you know, just accept. And I don't even mean it like in your perspective. You're saying because you were being nice and stuff like that, but I guess just it just kind of triggered that for me. It's just like. So many people like, hey, I'll give you 200 for that card. I got 225 into it. I need to get 225 out of it. Okay. I mean, it's not worth 225. Like, just take the L, you guy. Like, just take the 200 bucks and move on to the next one. Like, I don't understand. You know, people are so adverse to making money or to losing money on a card, which I understand. You don't want to lose money on a card, but, you know, if you're trying to sell it and it's worth less than what you paid for it, it is what it is, you know? And then, well, yeah. And yeah. I, I think if, if you get a feel for the market too, I mean, if, if you have a Justin Herbert and everybody's looking for that card, everybody that passes by your table, mm -hmm. then, you know, you can kind of dictate the price and, and say, Hey, you know what, this is the price and whatever, somebody might pay that price. But like in the case, I had a Nick Madrigal autograph rookie card that I pulled out of a box and a guy came up and he was like, and, and keep in mind, nobody else looked at this card. This right. is the only person who was interested in this card. Right? <laughs> And, uh, and he's like, oh, that's a nice Nick Madrigal. My son trained with him, like whatever, when my son oh. was in high school. He had some connection to him. Yeah, yeah. And I had a price at 125 It was serial number to 25 so it was a pretty low, you know, low serial number. And I was like, you know, I can't really go any lower than 100 on the card. And he's like, ah, I was I was thinking more like 60 bucks, right? And I'm like, no, nah, I can't I can't go that low. And so he, he leaves. He's like, okay, I'll think about it. Then he comes back, you know, 70 And I'm like, I'll do it for 75 you know? And he was, like, super happy, right? Like, he right. got the car kind of around the price he wanted. He had this connection. His wife was with him. His wife was happy, too. And I just thought it was a good experience. You know, I, I sold it for way less than I, I wanted to sell it for, and I, I would have been happy to hold. I didn't necessarily need to sell it. But because this guy, like, seemed to really want it, 
I, I just kind of wanted to see him, you know, see him leave happy, you know. So, <laughs> do you, have you ever got that on on eBay before, where people reach out that like, hey, I'm a collector of this team, this player, whatever. Would you do a deal? Uh, you know, it's weird. I have not gotten that. Have Have you? Like, <laughs> I've only gotten it once. Funny enough, I was selling a mosaic choice uh, Justin Herbert rookie. And they're like, hey, I'm doing a rainbow, and this is the last one I need. You know, would you do this? And I was like, uh, this is less than I wanted to sell it for, but I'm not upside down on it at that price, and you want it for the collection. So, you know, knock yourself out. Like, you know, I'll take the money. So, I mean, yeah, they definitely saved themselves some dollars telling me that, you know, that they were putting it in for a collection. Yeah, I haven't had that happen on eBay, but, I, you know, if they did, I, I, I wouldn't want that like kind of dial our communication so that if I could you know throw some extra cards you know in the package that I'm sending them I would even do that because I have I have a lot of cards that I want to get rid of and and that's I think that's part of my mindset was I've had a lot of these cards for years and mm. my parents would complain over the years because they moved a lot right they're like what are we going to do with all your cards like <laughs> we keep having to move them and I'm like well why are you guys moving so much why don't you just stay put <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mom and dad. It's your fault. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's and, funny. And now they're now they're happy. They're happy that I that I kept the card that they didn't throw them all away. <laughs> what's your inventory look like now? What do you? What's your estimate on how many cards you have like around you? You know, or whatever in your place right now. Like like do, like dollar amount or just like the oh no cards? like sheer quantity of cards. Oh yeah, like okay. So here's what's interesting is most of the cards are actually at my brother's house. He likes to keep, you know, like the inventory close to him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll hold so on I to say, it. I'll keep my hands on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, you know, there might be, um, I, I don't know, maybe 30, like, large boxes of cards, I guess. It's, it's quite a bit. I mean, if you go to his garage, there's, there's a lot of stuff to go through. Um, but so I have an office uh, where I record the YouTube videos. And I do have some cards because I like to look at them too. So I have like maybe one shoebox full and then maybe like a couple of binders and then like maybe, I don't know, uh, 50 slabs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so you and your brother are doing this together. Did he set up with the shop at the show with you today? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was there. He was there too. Yeah. I mean, so we always kind of set up together and we even kind of collaborate on the deals most of the time. We don't really just kind of like, go solo yeah um, you know, but he comes up and offers to sell us or trade or whatever we kind of um you know talk it out but we're not always together because he likes to go out and look for the deals in the you know in the dollar bin the five dollar so he's usually gone like for a couple hours in the morning and i'm manning the table <laughs> well he's out looking for other cards y'all do like a, a good got good cop bad cop routine somebody walks up to the table you know one of y'all's an asshole yeah uh, uh, this guy's reasonable i work with him <laughs> You know that that's not a bad idea though. Actually, <laughs> because I think we're firm on some of the prices, and I think my brother doesn't necessarily like the deals that I give. Um, so I can I can feel the tension when, um, you know, like when I sold the Madrigal for seventy five, <laughs> I can tell him that that was not approved by upper management. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, you talk about the thirty shoe boxes or bo big boxes. My, it's just in my head. It's always shoe boxes, but. Um, you know, most of the cards you, you've, y'all have acquired, you know, have they been through breaks or, or ripping wax or are they singles you're buying on eBay mostly? Yeah. So, so lately, I mean, since August, 2020, it's been mostly singles. 
So we went on a single buying spree yeah. um, from then until whenever, you know, until we ran out of money. <laughs> mm. uh, we I, And I told my brother, I was like, you don't want to buy, because in the old days, that's what, you, that's what I did. I would buy wax. I would right. buy as many boxes as I could possibly afford, rip them all. Even in, even in 08, I didn't understand how much of a gamble it was. So I would buy boxes of SP Authentic Upper Deck basketball, you know, trying to get the Chris Paul rookie. I bought two of the LeBron James rookie year. I bought two boxes and I got a Leandro Barbosa um, serial number auto. My <laughs> <laughs> auto out of the two boxes I got. <laughs> yeah, that's like me. I ripped the box of 2001 SP Authentic on live one night. I you know, s- yeah, that's... Them. Yeah, Drew Brees and, and LaDainian Tomlinson, and I pulled a freaking number to 100 Corin Robinson rookie. Great. That's right. <laughs> That's great. Man, those cards are beautiful, though. Those are well-made cards. Everyone should go buy one 2001 SP Authentic football card just to see what good card quality is. It is freaking amazing. Yeah, and they can get it cheap, you know? That's the other thing, right? I mean, if they buy the single, not if they don't. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. Man, the box. I got the box at a bar. I w- if I paid a thousand dollars for that box, I wouldn't open it. But I got it for four hundred bucks. It was just so cheap, and I was just like, "All right, yeah." I mean, let's try this out. Yeah, no, that's yeah. So anyway, but most of my collection. I mean, most of my boxes in my garage because I still have the stuff that was at my parents' house is now in my garage. Finally, uh, most of that was from ripping wax, like in the in the nineties, late nineties, and then in 08. So all the bulk of that, and I, I just. I want to get rid of it. I just haven't had time to either, you know, give it away. And that was the other thing too. Back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, nobody was into cards. So I didn't even have like my friend's kids to give it away to. They were all into Pokemon or yep. Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, the Gathering. It's no, I was like, even kids that were into sports weren't into sports cards. I, I had no idea what happened to the world. But <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Only- I mean, because obviously I was, you know, in 08, I was still in high school and like literally – me and my, be- my my friend Schwartz, who I've referenced a few times on the channel, he still, you know, I get to see him a lot more now in Houston. But anyway, we were in cards. And outside of the two of us, I don't know anyone else. I mean, literally, and I went to a high school with, you know, my senior class was 660 people. And I, you know, knew a decent amount of them, you know, just from being in the same area for 20 years. And I mean, I didn't know anyone else that did sports cards. It's, I mean, it's wild. It, but I don't know. Do you see a lot of kids now as a dealer, like at the show or? Just in general, do you think there's a lot more kids into it? I, I feel like there's a few. I wouldn't say a lot. Um, there, It seemed like there were more at the end, the tail end of the show. All of a sudden, all these kids would, were coming up to the table either, um, you know, looking for deals. And, th- and that's the other thing. They weren't just buying the cards. They were already um, preparing to make a deal. You know, their first question was, hey, are, are you making any deals right now? And I'm like, yeah, everything's, a, you know, <laughs> We're, yeah everything's negotiable you know <laughs> so knock yourself out pick what pick out what you like and we'll work something out and i think that puts them at ease and and then they go to town um but i would say there were not a whole lot of kids uh in my opinion i think it was mostly people probably even my age and uh, it wasn't like that in april when i went to a show out here in the bay area i felt like it was yeah. the demographic it was it was there were young people there were super super old people and then there were people my age it was all ages across the board i think today was just a slow day honestly yeah i'll be curious to see what dallas looks like in a couple weeks just like i imagine there'll be less people you know it's halloween weekend so that's gonna skew it so maybe i shouldn't make big assumptions from that but we'll see i'll you know i'll report back what i see i guess 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, man. What What do you enjoy collect, or do you collect? Do you collect it all in the hobby? I don't want to make an assumption here. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, well, because that's that's what I did. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I you know I was collecting these cards, and that's why I went back and bought the, uh, you know, the '85 sets. I think I bought a '89 upper deck, you know, set because that was the, the Griffey, just kind of the iconic set. Um, yeah. So I I liked I liked those cards just to have, and again, they weren't worth anything in '08, so I just bought them just for my collection. Yeah. Um, well, I remember oh, to your point, like I remember going to shows in 08 and seeing all these cards that are so cheap. I remember I unfortunately sold these cards already because of the market explosion, but I bought a, a Paper Tops Kobe, super clean, bought it for 16 bucks. It graded a nine, sold it for 400, but I bought that, you know, a decade ago. I bought an 86 <laughs> Fleer Hakeem, a Lajuan rookie, you know, that, end up, that would end up grading a PSA eight. I bought that for like 20 bucks raw to show. You know, it was just oh, that's awesome. people, those cards were so cheap then, you know, and like, I just wanted one for the collection and then I sold them because I don't know, maybe I was yeah. stupid for selling them. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think when the, when the dollar, you know, cause that's the thing, right? I, I bought a Tom Brady, it was like a finest refractor and I bought it for $10 in 2013. And, uh, and then the market got hot and I looked it up on eBay and it was going for 75. Apparently now that same card, uh, the serial number card going for four to five hundred dollars and i ended up selling it at 150 and it's like it's just because i know i paid 10 for it i'm not a brady fan and uh hey you know 150 bucks you know i'll take it <laughs> that's, that's kind of how i looked at it i guess uh, but i i didn't think it would keep going up as high as it did yeah well the freaking kobe i just talked about i sold it 400 thinking like people are stupid for paying 400 bucks for this kobe rookie <laughs> It is, you know, a PSA nine tops paper and it, it went all the way up to 1200. I'm a, I'm a, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, why did I sell it 400? But now it's back down to 400, you know, that's what I was going to say, yeah. yeah, like that's where, that's where it's settled. Mm -hmm. Um, hopefully I'm hoping that's where it's settled, you know, and that, it, but I, I know it is just, it's just a paper. It's, it's hard for me to imagine all, all those goat cards. It's hard for me to imagine them settling. Well, let me rephrase it. Let me maybe make that more clear. Those goat cards from the '90s and '80s that were super high, you know, pops. It's hard for me to imagine a PSA nine paper tops settles at four hundred. You know, I think that's maybe maybe a hundred, hundred fifty dollar card, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. I you know, I just because I'm gonna buy one back probably. Um, the the whole reason I sold it was because I knew in my well, at least in my head, I'm like these prices aren't gonna stay. You know, they're gonna go down, and I'll buy it back when it gets cheaper. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I do think that card goes under 200 bucks. It's just the pop report so high on that stuff. It's just hard to it, imagine it stays that high. Yeah, it is. And you know, I, I, I had a couple of Barry Sanders tops traded. Um, I got those oh, yeah. actually in the PSA and graded and they came back PSA nines and I had to sell one on my slabs for $30. Cause that's all, that's all I could, it could sell for. And today I sold one at the card show for, I just gave it to that same kid, that Dodger fan. I gave it to him. 20 bucks and so I, I see what you're saying i mean there's like twelve thousand. i think is the pop report yeah for the kobe I, i'm pulling it around the, the pop for on the on a psa 9 kobe paper tops is twelve thousand six hundred, and then there's another 3400 in, in a 10 so in the 10s at at you know two grand i could see that with a pop report of 3400 you know just like that's a pretty low pop really for how how <laughs> popular kobe is you know, mm -hmm. to be in a tin condition, I could see maybe a fifteen to two thousand dollar price tag on that. But the nine, you know, 
12,600 there. I just, uh, right. you know, I think yeah. that's probably less than a $200 card. Yeah. And I, and I, I can see your point now when, you know, when I see what happened with these Barry Sanders, cause when I got them back, I think they were 50, $60 cards. And now you, you could really honestly get one for 2025, you know, not even looking that hard. And it's Barry Sanders. I mean, some people consider him the greatest running back of all time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's not like it's just an, you know, an, an your average run of the mill running back. I mean, certainly from, you know, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, because I grew up in Texas, I like to admit, but like, as I get older, yeah, it's Barry, you know, it's Jim Brown, Walter Payton, and Barry Sanders as your top three running backs of all time. You know, you can debate the rest. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, is there yeah. a player that you, or a team, you know, you said you're a Dodgers fan that you collect specifically? Yeah. So, I, you know, it's, of all the sports, um, I guess I got into baseball the most. So I collect Dodgers the most. Um, and when I go to shows, I just go to everyone's, you know, bins and just tell them I'm a Dodger fan and they pull out all the Dodgers for me. And then um, I'll look and see if it's, you know, if yeah. it's what I want to buy or not. Especially in San Francisco. They're like, yeah, get this shit out of oh, here. Nobody's know, buying yeah. this stuff. <laughs> it's funny because you would think like, they're like, oh, get the hell out of here. We don't want to want to talk to you but they're like we're happy that you're gonna heck yeah they got those dodger cards they got to move off of (laughs) the only guy in the show that's buying them yeah that's right and and then they give me a discount on top of it too they're like oh you're a dodger fan all right we'll give you an extra you know 25 percent off that's just because they don't want you to beat them up they're scared about that that's all All right, tell us about your uh, youtube channel a little bit i see you know you're on youtube you're a loco card collector and then let's see you've been making content for five months uh what do you make content about and uh yeah yeah so i, I primarily focus on uh, hga one of your favorite grading companies i heard <laughs> <laughs> yes big fan yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah so i i think what the content has gravitated towards since i started it I, so i'll tell you originally when i originally started it, i wanted to kind of do a little bit what neo does um, which is using market movers, kind of analyzing card trends using the market movers graphs. Um, I watched another YouTube content creator do this as well. And I kind of felt like, uh, you know, the, the other guy I watched, not Neo, <laughs> I kind of felt like he didn't know what he, he didn't know sports. You know, he's looking, he was like, let's look at the top 10 cards that sold this week. And he'd pull up a name. He wouldn't even know who this player was or why they, why they were selling or not. And I was like, I could do a better job than this. So that was my initial thought was I, I kind of want to do this as well. And, you know, just put my thoughts out there on YouTube. And now it's gravitated toward me kind of going over some of the graded cards that I've um, gotten back primarily from HGA because that's the only company that's open that I use right now. Um, but it, w- it would be PSA. If PSA were open, I would, you know, grade with them and also kind of kind of like doing PSA reveals. It seems like those videos have gotten more views and seem to have I get more feedback from people so I just continue to make those especially as I've been getting orders back from HGA yeah well I mean what's your take on HGA I said I'm not going to talk about HGA anymore but you can talk oh, about that's right. yeah. <laughs> what uh what's your take on HGA how I mean I see like you've got I'm looking at your thumbnails right now like is it still you know worth it to send to HGA and stuff like that so I mean just overall what's your high level take on HGA are you happy with them or you know yeah. what What's it been like moving their slabs? So per- personally, I actually have had a good experience with them. Um, I have had two issues where I had a warp slab and I have to send the card back, and that that's unfortunate. Is, warp- is that being warped? How like 
how do I say this? Like let like is it like a football <laughs> field, you know, where it's kind of bowed up in the middle and then on the sides it's down, or like how is it warped? Uh, it was warped more on like a, on a bottom corner, like the bottom right corner kind of warped out. Like so it, it mm. and, and you know it's it's weird. I didn't notice it at first, but I bought these HGA stands and you you know, you kind of stick the cards in the oh, stand. Yeah. And it wasn't going. It wasn't going in the stand. And I, I, I thought I'm just like, I'm like the stand is the problem, right? I'm like, oh, the stand is defective. And I was trying to jam the card in there. And then I, you know, I finally just looked more closely. I'm like, oh, the, you know, it's not the correct size. It's like, you know, twice the width that it should be right. on the box. That's um, strange. So it, yeah, that's how it was warped. And and it was, what sucks about it is it's a Zach Levine, and Zach Levine seems to be heating up right now. And so it'd be nice if I wanted to move it. I, I can't. I have to send it back into them to either re-slab it. And to be honest, I'm, I'm debating, and this will give you an idea of how I feel about HGA, at least as far as the market is concerned. I'm debating just having them just, you know, open it from the slab and send it back to me raw. I know it's true gem 9.5 according to HGA. I'd rather send it to PSA at this point and see if I can get a 10 because it just have much more resale value. Yeah, I mean, that's not a knock on HGA. I think a lot of these, you know, smaller companies, like I think a lot of people are using them as like fill-in graders right now. And like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, let me send them here. Oh, it got gem mint from them. Okay, well, you know, maybe I'll move it in this case, but if I don't move it before it PSA opens back up, then I'll just wait, you know. Yeah, and I, I've even gone so far as I've requested um, a bunch of cards back from Starstock, Starstock A's, that I was going to send into HGA. And, and I wanted to, one, just to move them because they're sitting on Starstock and I can't do anything with them because nobody buys on Starstock. <laughs> and yep. um, yeah, and I wanted to see if I could get maybe get a 10, you know, one of these like elusive HGA 10s or, you know, the pristine or flawless or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I was, you know, just kind of hoping that maybe one of those might actually be better than a 9.5. But now, lately, when I see the resale value, and I've, you know, obviously I've listened to your content, and I listen to Neo, and a lot of other people, you know, I, I won't I won't use the word bashing, but there's definitely some negative, um, you know, feedback for HGA. I'm kind of holding off on sending these cards uh, and kind of waiting to see maybe if there's any signs that PSA might be opening up lower service levels at a reasonable time, you know, then I might just kind of hang on and hold. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now as far as that's concerned. I mean, SGC is 30 bucks, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's in no, SGC. Not... <laughs> well, here's the thing. Well, well, I feel like in my opinion, I don't know, I'd be interesting to hear your, your thoughts on this. I feel like the SGC resale market is at least as bad as HGA. And I, I just bought a Devonte Adams, prism sgc 10 on starstock for 60 dollars, and i know a psa 10 goes for i want to say around 300 dollars. so i don't feel like it from that perspective i don't feel as comfortable with (laughs) Gosh, how bad is it getting on on starstock this is insane so like in general 10 to 10 you should see a 10 and the sgc at about 60 percent the price of a psa that's what the market kind of says is true mm-hmm. yeah, it can vary card to card but you know right, yeah, right. It, roughly that would be kind of the numbers to get it at 20 percent, like you got it that's it's just a joke it's just another one where star stock there's just not a lot of liquidity and like you just hit a lot of nails right you hit okay it's football it's a wide receiver it's an sgc case you know and it then and it's a 200 dollars card all that stuff on star stock does not do well and so you just got an absolute bargain so <laughs> That's just yeah. dumb. <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, I don't really like the SGC slabs. 
Um, but I will say, because we, we do have some, because again, if they're, if they're cheap enough, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. I mean, exactly. It makes, yeah. yeah. And so we had, we had a few SGC slabs on the table sitting next to HGA and PSA. And my brother was looking at them and he's like, you know, these SGC slabs are starting to grow on me a little, you know, mm -hmm. so some of the cards kind of pop in the, in the case. <laughs> we really didn't like the cases, but it kind of depends on the card. And so I think people might get used to it. Well, I think. You know, specifically, SGC is known, like, you know, that 60% number, that's something. But as you go more mo or vintage, that number might get a little bit closer to the 100%. And, you know, they're just known a little bit better in the vintage world. And I do think their slabs do better with vintage slabs. I think in general, they do better with paper slab or paper cards, excuse me, paper mm -hmm. cards. You know, I think with a white border inside that tux, just pops, you know, it's just beautiful. Um, but... When you look at today's cards, so many of them are just straight up chrome that it may not look so good with, you know, the black. It looks a little bit better, you know, with like the frosted glass or the clear glass that you see with C CSG or stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so that's why I think a lot of people don't, they say they don't like the SGC. So I know like Neo complains that it's too big or something. And then some people don't like the labels, but I don't know. I like it all for all my vintage cards. I go straight to SGC and I try to find deals because I'm like, you know, these are good cards in a well-respected grade so whatever yeah and, and i'm starting to real you know look at that more and more because i do i do trust that the grading is actually legit so you know buying this sgc 10 Devonte adams i'm like oh this is a this is yeah. a good art i don't know how i'm getting it so cheap but i'll take it all day at that price um i will say also i just wanted to kind of mention the hga at the card show because um, a couple of card shows that I've gone to, there really weren't many people who had any HGA slabs. And I don't know if you probably experienced that. Yeah, I don't see too many HGA. Well, I mean, also the last card show I went to was in May. So, I mean, how they had probably graded like 10,000 cards at that right. point. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not. There's, there aren't many more, I would say. since. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People are just, hoard, you know, they're not bringing them to the shows. I did talk to a couple of dealers and, and they straight up said these 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 slabs just do not move at all. Like uh, they had maybe two or three HGA slabs out there and they're like, they don't move at all. But what was interesting is our table was half, probably, you know, roughly half HGA, half everything else, PSA, BGS. And so people were forced to look at them. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a lot of positive feedback. I, I was a little bit surprised, you know, I was like, Oh, those cards look really nice. You know, I really like them in the HGA slab. Um, and uh, I just kind of let them talk. I don't want to like, influence people's opinion you know obviously if i have a lot of hga slabs i would love to sell them but right yeah i'm i'm concerned about people's uh you know what what happens after they buy the card what if the the, the nobody likes the slabs and the card goes down in value for that reason you know so i just let them make up their own mind you know not to go on a rant here with hga look they have a good <laughs> platform they've got i like their custom labels not no excuse me i'm not happy with the custom label but i like their labels in general and then I have to say, I like their cases. I do like their cases. Um, yeah. They, they, to me, they have a lot going in the right direction for them. I just, if, if I, if I own HGA, I would just kind of refocus on the core of what my business is, a grading company and make sure I'm getting that right. You know, that's just what I would do. But I, I, I think, I don't know, man, like two years from now, what's HGA look like? I don't really know. You know, I, I think they could grab some market share and do something, or I think they could just kind of, you know, fight with the hobby and then, you know, kind of sputter out. Um, but I'm not sure which way they're going to go. I, I agree that it could go either way. And that that's one of the reasons I'm, 
kind of just put, you know, not really as ambitious as I was. If, if you know, if anyone were to watch any of my videos, I, I definitely seem more excited about grading HGA uh, earlier on. And then, you know, you might, <laughs> you might see the, the excitement die down a little bit. Um, but I, I have had a good experience and I'm just going to kind of see also just how this all plays out, right? The Mahomes fake auto, um, whatever other uh, issues that they've had. Do they fix them or are there more, you know, is this a, is this like a rash of things or, you know, can they kind of turn the ship around? So that's Yeah, you know, you hope for them that we don't see that again, right? We saw those three cards. It was a Mahomes auto, a Brady Cayenne auto, and then a Wayne Gretzky rookie. All That all hit at the same time, you know, it's unfortunate, but that, I mean, that's what happened. And so do we not see that again from them? You know, that's going to build a lot of trust with the community if we just don't see that again. And for any HGA defenders, just I, I would recommend you stop saying, well, PSA had issues when they started. Oh, right, yeah. right. I hate it. It's 30 years ago. You know, like, yes, they were developing the industry 30 years ago and they had issues with authentic authenticating a card that was 100 years old. Yes. You know, I mean, like, it's a way different thing, guys. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I like to just let it all play out and, uh, you know, I, I really try not to, you know, get jump on any any particular bandwagon or, you know, it's very easy to do, I think. I because I, I feel like there I'm in an HGA Facebook group and I feel like mm. the, like you I guess you call them HGA defenders, right? Like and I feel like people kind of form this, you know, like, okay, we're gonna defend it to the end no matter what. And I, I'm definitely more objective. Like I just wanna see what, what are these companies gonna yeah. do and no man, I see them people in the chat, man. They they get crazy <laughs> about it. And I'm just like, guys, like I like HJ and I actually want them to succeed. They just kinda, you know, they let me down a couple times. I wasn't happy with my custom slab and then all this news, you know, it's just kind of disappointing. And like I'm one of the bigger proponents, I think, in the hobby of saying like, I'm down to try out all these new companies, you know, like if they work and they're good, like it's awesome. And uh HGA, you know, I mean, that's how I kind of made a little bit of a name on my Friday live streams was, you know, going to HGA and trying to get into their uh, queues on Fridays, you I know? I was, I was watching your live streams way back then. So. Yeah, there you go. And so, like, I, I like HGA. I got nothing against them. I want them to succeed. I just, you know, I don't know what happened there, why their focus kind of shifted. It, I don't know. I would like to hear from them kind of their yeah. thoughts, but. What are what are your while we're on the topic of grading? What are your thoughts on a transparent grading company? Because I know they're kind of new; they were coming on the market. Are they still around? Because I have yeah, no, they're still there. And in full transparency, <laughs> I'm actually I would say pretty good friends with Pittsburgh. He was one of the first people to reach out to me in the hobby and in you know in the community and kind of help me kind of with my channel. And so I really like them. You know, I I'm a big fan of Pittsburgh. He's a nice guy. He helped me out a lot, uh, but. I like what they are doing and I like, I mean, you know, the process where it's going to show you graders notes and things like that. I think there's a lot of value to that in the community, even just grading a few cards through them or buying some of their slabs and then looking at the graders notes and just learning how to be a better grader. You know, I think there's a lot of value in that. And so I, I like what they're doing. I think it's good for the community. Now, What's their slabs going to do on the second market? You know, I don't know, man. There's no telling at this point. You know, there's three well-respected slabs and CSGs trying to work its way in there. But outside of those, you know, it's it's a fight, you know, to try to get some respect in the hobby. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I, I get it. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, what, what do you think about, I had this idea a long time ago. Um, like, say, for example, PSA is grading your card. 
and they're they're about to start grading your card and they um i don't know they tech they get send you a text message and you could click into that and actually have a live video where you can watch the grader grade your card i was thinking why can't why couldn't we have that that would be great (laughs) (laughs) we'd all realize just it's a bunch of nonsense oh okay (laughs) that's probably the issue Oh, I don't know. I like that, man. I, you know, the hobby, the people in the hobby in general, I think, just want more transparency with everything. That's why I like what TGTs do. The thing is, like, we're talking about disruptors at this point and coming in and doing something new that's new to the hobby that, you know, you want to force it onto the hobby. What TGT is doing, in my opinion, is good. And if they can force it into the hobby, I'm all for it. I'm all for graders' notes on every card. I don't know what storage space looks like over time with that, but I like it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I did like that about them when I first heard uh, what they were doing uh, as far as the the notes, you know, the graders notes. Because when I first got back into this and I started to, to look for raw cards to grade, I really had no, you know, not very much information at all. And so I was just watching YouTube videos to see what people, other people are looking for. But it, it seemed very um, just, un, you know, th- there was no strategy to it. It was just kind of like, okay, this guy gave me some advice. I'll, I'll follow that. I'll look for a dimple. Or I'll look for a print line. But yeah, I didn't have the full picture on what may or may not qualify, you know, get an, a 10 or a 9. Yeah. Um, so that, I think graders notes would be awesome. I still feel like I don't know what the hell yeah. <laughs> this stuff's going to grade. I actually been wanting to ask. I haven't, so I have not reached out to Anthony about this yet, but I've been wanting to ask Anthony and Alan from TGT to maybe do a live stream with me, like on a Thursday night or something, and we just grade some cards, just like a, a, a strictly like a how-to. Because I know like, look, I can look at a card and more or less I can tell you, eh, it's mint-ish, you know? I can, I know that. I knew that two years ago, you know, that, that, that hasn't changed, but I can't delineate an eight, a nine, a 10, you know, I, I can't tell the difference between the three. So, um, I would like some coaching on that, uh, well, if anyone wants to offer you, it. <laughs> that's why you buy the eights, right? Cause I, I know you did a video on, on, on buying the eights. Also the value, the value on a Mahomes, uh, you know, prism eight <laughs> compared to a Mahomes prism. Yeah. 10. <laughs> well, it's crazy. And then people are like, oh yeah, but then when they go up, you know, yeah, but they move up. What people don't understand about even the the inferior, I'm doing quotation marks, y'all can't see that, uh, grading (laughs) companies or the inferior grades, like an 8 versus a 9 versus a 10, they all move together. (laughs) If a 10 moves up 30%, the 8's probably moving 30% also. And we've seen Mm -hmm. a lot through charts on Mondays, you know, recently that like 8's have actually kind of outperformed 9's and 10's recently on a lot of, you know, the bigger cards. Uh, And probably just because it's in a more... um, approachable market i guess from a price perspective mm-hmm. um i yeah. i've been thinking about that and I, actually i was just talking to my brother about that today i said you know a lot of these people here at the card show um and this is not you know not meant to be disrespectful at all but just in general a lot of people they can't afford you know whatever like a, a kyler Mur- a five thousand dollar kyler murray or you know a ten thousand dollar justin herbert so they're looking for the price points that are kind of within their budget and that's why they're drawn to this, you know, the dollar bin, the five dollar bin, um, the value slabs, and, and and that's where I go too. When I go to the tables, I I'll glance and look at the nice shiny cards. I can't afford to buy like ninety nine percent of them, so now yeah. I'm going over to value slabs. And I'll see yeah, you go to somebody's table, you're like, hey, 
you know, okay, all these are $10,000 cards. Well, I didn't bring that. So do you have a, a budget box? <laughs> Is there a dollar bin I can dig through? You know, I mean, yeah, come with, on. with PSA 8s? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean if, if everyone had some PSA 8 Herberts that were affordable, I think there would be a lot more Justin Herbert sales rather than people just kind of window shopping on cards that they can't really afford, you know, and maybe don't want to afford, you know, maybe they don't even want to get into the cards for that, for well, that and that's why i don't that's why i like buying a lot of sgc slabs and i do think i haven't really stated this i stated it once publicly but i do think that i think that football moves better in sgc versus other sports i just feel like for whatever reason football is more accepted in sgc slab and i'm not saying like wildly so i'm not saying it's like getting 95 percent of psa comps but i think it moves a little bit better than like basketball and baseball and sgc slabs i don't really know why Okay, that's good yeah. to know. I I love picking up tips. You know, I pick up tips every day from mm -hmm. from experts like you. You know, <laughs> yeah, experts. There we yeah. go. <laughs> uh, and the baseball baseball does to me baseball is tied to BGS. Like, you know, if you if you're gonna if you're gonna get a baseball card, you're not gonna grade it with PSA. I'd probably grade it with BGS. Just like it just feels right. I don't know what it is about that, but that just feels so, like that's correct. That's that's a really interesting um, point that you bring up because. I have a couple of friends that want to go in on a Wander Franco. They're, they're I think I mentioned earlier. Yeah, just yeah. getting into um and so my 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 thought is okay, cool. I'm looking for a Wander Franco BGS 95 auto Bowman Chrome, you know, first Bowman Chrome auto. That's that's the card that I want to go after. So I started asking around for it. First of all, nobody in the show had Wander Franco at all. Uh and, yeah. and hard, people are I, I know. I was like, "Wait, the, I, what what game were you watching? What sport were you watching?" <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people said, well, we didn't really bring baseball because baseball doesn't sell well at this particular show. So I guess, you know, that I guess that that was the thing at that particular show. But I talked to one dealer and he said, yeah, well, Wander Franco uh, in a PSA 10 goes for 4000 And I was like, well, BGS 9.5, I can get one on eBay for less than 2000 right now. And he's like, yeah, well, you really want it in a PSA 10. That's that's the, uh, the slab that's going to go up over time. And in my mind, I'm like, well, they don't even authenticate the auto unless you ask them you yeah know, you have to ask you, for it yeah yeah and and that's not and i talked to another dealer who said that a lot of people would grade baseball cards autos uh with psa if they thought the auto was not going to get a 10 because they didn't want a bgs slab showing a nine auto so mm. it's kind of a way to uh get around that and still have a, a gem mint 10 card but you know a nine auto and nobody would know it so i, I mean to me, everything that I would want in a slab, as far as telling me about the card, you know, the subgrades, grading the auto, is in that BGS slab. Plus, it has the name brand already. I mean, that's what I was drawn to. And it, just for a dealer to tell me, no, no, you want the PSA slab, it kind of confused me. So I, I guess you, you feel the same way. That you you wanted a BGS slab because, like, what what's the main reason you would say? Well, a lot of you know what I say is based off just experience, like from seeing a million cards over the last two decades and <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, most dealers certainly over the last 20 years, they would get prospect stuff put into BGS slab, baseball prospect stuff. They get a BGS slab, not PSA slab. It's almost weird to me to see baseball in a PSA slab, especially like modern stuff. It's yeah. It's kind of weird. Like post, like post like 2000, you know, it's kind of, mm -hmm. it, you know, I feel like most of that stuff should be in BGS. Maybe post like 04 or something like that. Because like pool holes and stuff like that I see in a PSA slab in my mind. But then post that, like all the Bowman stuff to me, you know, dealers just got that put in the BGS slabs. And it just makes sense to me. 
And I guess a lot of people like autos in BGS slabs, and that so that kind of makes sense because Bowman's a big heavy auto set, you know, heavy prospect auto set. So I guess it makes sense. Like in my mind, I, you know, again, I we haven't really stated this, but I've been thinking about it. But like, I think SGC makes sense with football cards. BGS makes sense with baseball, and then PSA is just like almost solely basketball. And like, like if I had a basketball card, right, and I sent it to BGS or SGC, that would feel weird to me. If I had a baseball card and sent it to SGC, that would feel weird. Um, and if I had a football card and sent it to Beckett, if if it wasn't an auto, that certainly would feel strange. So, you know, like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just something I've been thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's 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 how I feel, especially with um, specifically Bowman Chrome autos. I just, yeah. I see a BGS slab and, and I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll ever break out of that. And I don't know that I'll need to. I don't know how correct this dealer was and saying that it's better in a PSA slab but like you said anyway they all go up roughly at the same you know they'll go up and down at the same percentage so whatever price point you buy into that's yeah I mean you know. you're hoping to find good deals I mean because you talked about the Devonte Adams prism you know I picked up a Joe Montana BGS 9 rookie for 1200 bucks that's a $2,400 card in a PSA 9 case it's like okay this is ridiculous it should not be 50% you know this this vintage stuff if you're trusting the grade this stuff should be even you know, it should be it should be pretty close to even, um, right? So if, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something you can look at and see like, is this out of whack? And if you, the higher you go up, because you're talking about the Wander Franco, the higher you go up, the more it makes sense to buy this stuff at absolute steal and then crack and resub. You know, like with you know with the company that's going to bring more money. So um, yeah, because that Wander seems a that seems a bit out of <laughs> that seems ridiculous. Four grand for a, a PSA ten and two grand for a BGS ten, right? Is what you said, or a nine five? I should yeah. say five. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and I don't know enti- like exactly how accurate. I just I saw a listing on eBay for sure. About yeah, nine- yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, at two to one. I mean, I, I, I want to look into that more to see if is that really correct. And uh, so so then yeah. With that said, I mean, would you? But you still wouldn't break it out of the BGS nine five and and send it into PSA even with the chance that it'll go up. You know two thousand dollars or would you it's hard i'm scared to do it. i've never cracked a slab i don't really want to i mean that montana's one i'm thinking about you know if i can just instantly make freaking twelve hundred dollars for putting in a psa case you know um that wander is an interesting one the thing with that wander to me that makes me wander if i would want to crack it is <laughs> oh boy uh is that it you know it is a bowman auto bowman chrome auto so like I don't know that I want to crack that. I might want that in a BGS case. Why the market values BGS that low right now, I'm not sure. Um, is it going to hold that way for forever? I don't know. I, obviously, I can't answer that, but what do I think? Man, I, I don't know. I, I would think that this premium stuff graded in BGS would do better over time. Um, just I, I feel like it's, it's hated on for some... It's almost like, to go back to the beginning of our discussion... That 2012 era base cards, you know, people hate them because they hate base. You know, it's like people hate just BGS graded cards or something. I, I don't know. Or non PSA graded cards, maybe is what they hate. And it maybe went too far with Beckett in particular and SGC. So, yeah, I guess I guess I can see that. You know, um, but I, I think the other thing too is like in the case of with my buddies, I think the idea of cracking and resubmitting might be too far, like out of their like realm of comfort. <laughs> I think what they want to do is buy in and, and hold, you know, put it in a lockbox, and they believe Wander Franco is going to be, uh, you know, 
uh, I don't know, future Hall of Famer. So they're, they're going to buy into that now and hope they hit. I mean, if you feel that way about them, just buy the BGS 9.5, you know, for the lower price point, 9.510, right? For the lower mm -hmm. price point, hold it, and then maybe over 20 years you get lucky and BGS is doing better than PSA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because 20 years ago, people would have bought, what's 20 years ago, 2001? They would have bought. They would have bought a 2001 Topps Chrome Albert Pujols in a BGS case. That's what 20 years ago. That's what people would have done. Not PSA. They wouldn't have looked at PSA. They would have bought in BGS. And some people might have said, "Well, I like PSA grades, and I think that you know they're undervalued, so I'm going to buy in a PSA case." And 20 years later, <laughs> you know, they, it paid off buying PSA, not BGS. Right. Yeah. I know. I know that was part of your your argument on the goats too, as to the. The, the sudden price increase, and part of it had to do with that swap of BGS to PSA, um, you know, the, the values, you know, the, at some point in the last 20 years, one became preferred over the other. And, and there's, I don't know that there's really a reason why, maybe you know, but it, it happened anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, it's certainly marketing. PSA was 10 bucks and just an easier process. Beckett was a pain in the ass to grade with. If anyone remembers, man, I remember... Yeah, I had to. I cut a form out of a Beckett magazine, and I freaking filled it out by hand. And then you ship your ship to Dallas, and I'm like, "This is sketch," you know. Like, I mean, PSA wasn't really any different, but I think it was ten bucks a card for for a PSA. I forget. Maybe maybe Chad will remember what um, BGS used to grade for. I think it was like thirty, forty bucks a card. I think is what you had to grade for with BGS. I don't remember, but um, but yeah, I mean, the the data shows. I guess I don't remember exactly, but mid 2010s there was a price switch you know if you go back to like a michael jordan card and card ladder because they have the data all the way back to like 04 or something like bgs clearly is outselling psa and then around 2010 2015 they flip and then so people like to just look at psa cards and be like look they've gone up over time you know they've done nothing but go up yeah but you know 15 years ago bgs was considered the premier grader and from 2004 to 2017 that card went down in price right the 86 Jordan in particular. So, um, but anyway, that's off on a rant there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So your channel, Loco Card Collector, everybody check it out. What's the next video you're going to have up for us, brother? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I actually wanted to do a video on, uh, your favorite platform, Starstock. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I still uh, like Star, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. I don't want anyone to think that I don't like Starstock. I want Starstock to succeed and do well. I like Starstock. I like those guys. I hope it works. Just in my, you know, it's funny. And I'll I'll shut up and let you talk since you're the guest. But it's funny. Um, yeah, I made that video saying like, you know, I got a new mistress, Compsy, and then since then, Starstock's had two updates about about sports cards and not about breaks. And I was like, yeah, you know, maybe they heard me. I don't know, but we'll see. But I just I just want to get that clear. Like, I still love Starstock, and I want it to be a good platform for us. Just in my opinion, you know, they've kind of moved over to breaks probably because it's more profitable i would guess uh, yeah that that kind of makes sense yeah and um and i and I've, I've never i've never done one break in my life so just to, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah they're really not marketing to me i mean when they went when they switched to breaks i got i got turned off too and i didn't i couldn't find a mistress i might check mm -hmm. out com c though <laughs> so, if you've got a ton of bolt cards that sell for like a dollar fifty or more it's just it's either that or sell it in a big lot on eBay. And are you going to get your money on eBay? No. So yeah, right. you pick, yeah. you know. But yeah, I, want, I just want to do a video on Starstock showing just uh, some of the bigger cards. I, I picked up a couple of Justin Herbert Hollows um, and Aaron Rodgers tops. These are all Starstock A. And then just what I intend to do with them as far as grading them. 
because I've been doing videos on grading and um, you know whether I'm going to send them to HGA or wait for PSA or just kind of my my plan with each you know some some of these higher dollar cards where it might make sense to send it to PSA at 150 uh, and it might not you know so I kind of want to. Are those optic optic hollows for the Herberts? Yes. Yeah. Very nice. And then are you going to grade it through Starstock, you think, or are you going to ship them home and then grade them? I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to uh, ship them home. I'm definitely going to ship them home. So then, yes, I'm going to ship them home and then grade them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know when PSA will open a level that Starstock will con- you know, be able to do what they were doing before they shut down. I don't anticipate that that will be this year. And maybe not even early next year. So I'm I'm gonna I want to have them in hand, and then I can at least decide what I want to do. And, and even maybe in some cases sell them raw. You know, if I if if they go up in value just raw, I might even move them that way. So I'm really not 100 percent sure yet what I'm gonna do. Yeah, it's just interesting to me with their grading because like I I don't have an issue grading through Starstock. I kind of would like to. I would prefer to because I don't want to do the I don't want to go through the hassle. But it's just mm-hmm. weird to me they have that. $60 markup for PSA graded cards where there's no markup for SGC, you know? And I'm just like, okay, I mean, I don't know. Well, if you're, if you're going to send a PSA, you probably just better off shipping home and then ship, send a PSA yourself. Oh, right. Wait, they, cause they have a, a $60 markup. Uh, what, what was that? Yeah. What? So if you look at PSA, like their express is 150 bucks, right? PSA express. But if you uh-huh. want to ship to, if you want to go through star stock to PSA, it's $210 is the minimum. So, oh, I- realize they had that option I yeah just, that today. well they just announced earlier this would part of the, the second part of that card news that i referenced earlier was that they're doing more uh grading and so now you can grade for 30 dollars a card you can grade through sgc on Starstock for uh, one i think it's 160 a card you can go to bgs and then for 15 dollars a card you can go to csg which actually seems pretty good csg low-key basketball play csg in my mind but who knows we'll see okay. <laughs> Well, you know how earlier I was talking about like baseball, BGS, football, SGC, mm-hmm. you know, it, to me, basketball at PSA makes sense. But if, if I was going to go off the beaten path with basketball, not again, non-autograph card, because autograph cards just kind of go to BGS, non-auto card. I think CSG is kind of a sneaky little cheap play there to get some basketball graded, but I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, man. So next video. Looking forward to it. We're going to see some of the stuff on Starstock. I'm, man, that sounds like some pretty good bangers, though, you were buying though on Starstock. Some Herbert Hollows. I dig I it. felt like I got some good cards at some good prices. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't budge on my, my lower offers. And yeah. I finally got, you know, some of the prices that I wanted. So I, I have nice raw cards. Now I got to decide what to do with them. <laughs> hey, that's awesome. Yeah, and the stuff I talked about Starstock, one thing I did leave out, I meant to say, was just like, has created a good buying opportunity for people you know like okay well cards aren't really moving if you've got cash on star stock it could be a good way you know to pick up some cards on the cheap yeah yeah i agree yeah (laughs) yeah all right brother well thanks so much man and uh thanks uh thanks for being here Uh, tell the people where we can find you and how you want us to find you on the socials yeah so i'm on i'm on youtube it's it's local card collector it's it's l-o-c-o like crazy in spanish right (laughs) card collector uh, today at the card show, they were putting in L O C A L. They're like local card collector. Well, that's that's a very creative name. <laughs> um, so it's L O C O local card collector, and then same with Instagram. I'm, I'm on there as well, um, and then you'll get to see some of my posts of uh, the pickups that I had today at the card show. 
And I'll link your, I'll link the channel, the YouTube channel, in the, in the description. So everybody go check it out. All right, I appreciate it. All thank right, you. Tim, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you, brother. All right, thank you.